What is this all about? What is the purpose of this? I suspect that every student that is in this room today is probably agreeing. And as at some point, probably this school year, maybe even this week, sat there and asked the question about one of the classes they are in. What is the purpose of all this? Will I even use this in real life? Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. Sometimes you won't. Can we be honest, right? Sometimes we're not honest with students, right? Now, not always. A lot of what you learn will be very useful and necessary. How many people here have seen videos on YouTube of people that can't name the first president of the United States? Anybody? You've seen those? Here's the thing. You don't want to be that person. And so a lot of what you learn in school is going to be very good. It's very useful. It's helpful. It keeps you from looking like an idiot in front of lots and lots of people. But there are also other things that maybe aren't so useful. I can't say I've ever used anything that I learned in Calculus 3 in real life. Not a thing. Now, this is probably not just the students. I would suspect that for the rest of us that are a bit beyond student age, in our work life and in our careers, we probably have at some point gotten some sort of assignment and said, what is this all about? Why am I doing this particular thing? What is the purpose of this? See, none of us want to do something just for the sake of doing it or feel like what we are doing doesn't have purpose to it. None of us want to waste our time on things that are meaningless. Well, I have good news for you this morning. This is yet another one of the amazing benefits of serving Christ in that what he calls us to has such great purpose. It has such great meaning. It has eternal purpose. See, he has designed our lives with a plan. And if you have a plan, that means that there is a purpose to it. And so in finding our plan for our lives, we can find a life of true purpose, a life of true meaning, which to me is so much better than simply sort of surviving and earning money and you buy a bunch of stuff and then you die. We can have a true life of purpose and meaning when we serve Christ. Christ has a plan for all that he, is, all he does, and he is working things out according to his purposes for redeeming and restoring a world that is lost. So last week in our series in Acts, we studied the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We saw the promise of the Father fulfilled, and the 120 disciples who had been waiting in Jerusalem were filled with the Holy Spirit. This was the plan of Christ from eternity past. Because it was his plan, there was and there is purpose to it. Christ said that it was to receive power so that we could be witnesses of the good news who take his kingdom to the very ends of the earth. And so we saw that the disciples were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in tongues. And we talked about how the most important part of that was that they were filled with the Spirit and this was done to empower them to empower them to accomplish all that Christ had purpose for their lives. We need the power of the Spirit in our lives so that we can also accomplish all that Christ has purpose for us as individuals and as a church. Now, this doesn't mean that speaking in tongues is not important. The disciples were filled and they spoke in tongues and we discussed how tongues are a sign. 
And we saw how just like signs in a town direct us and point us to a destination, the gift of tongues can serve as a sign that directs us to God and points us to our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And so tongues have incredible value in that they show us how we can offer ourselves to vessels of, to God and then he will empower us in miraculous ways. In the case of tongues, it's speaking words that do not come from our mind, but they come from his. And they teach us that we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit in a supernatural way. And this prepares us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in other supernatural ways. Things like words of knowledge and healing and prophecy and wisdom and boldness in witnessing and so much more. And we saw that this is available for every generation and every believer. We'll see that reiterated today. It is God's will for our lives to be filled with the Spirit, not just one time, but over and over again. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is power with a purpose. Power with a purpose. And today we will dive into what does that power with a purpose look like in our lives. And so last week, the verses that we read ended with a large crowd of people seeing what was happening to the disciples, crowding around and saying, what does this all mean? What is happening here? Are these people just drunk? We saw this powerful outpouring and it had such a powerful effect that the people in the crowds were just blown away. They had no clue what was going on. And so that is where we will pick up today. And we'll begin with Peter standing up in the power of the Spirit to answer the questions that the crowd had. And he provides the purpose for the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. And then he gives some insight into what this looks like. So if you have your Bibles, can you go ahead and get them open to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verses 14 to 21. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the crowds had questions, and somebody has to stand up to answer them. And I think we would all probably expect that Peter would be that guy. right? If any of the disciples are going to stand up and answer the questions that the crowds had, it's going to be Peter. And while Peter often gets a bad rap because of times where he sort of missed it, or he fell short, or he misspoke, Peter's boldness and willingness to step out throughout Scripture is something that we should all pray to have. We should all pray to have that same boldness that Peter had. Peter wasn't afraid to step up or to step out or to take a risk. And John Wimber once said that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is demonstrated when we step out and take a risk. 
It's demonstrated when we pray for the person who is sick or who's in pain. It's demonstrated when we witness to somebody about what Jesus has done in our lives. It's demonstrated when we feel the Lord put something on our heart for someone and then we step out and we share it with them. Now we know that Peter wasn't perfect and he did miss the mark a whole bunch of times. This includes his denial of knowing Christ three times on the night that Christ was betrayed. But what's amazing is Peter standing up to speak here reminds us all of God's redemption and his grace. And it reminds us that his redemption and grace is so much greater than what we can fathom. See, if you're sitting here today, you feel like you failed God. You feel like you've fallen short of that mark. I want you to look at the life of Peter and see this man that failed so many times, empowered by the Spirit, redeemed, restored, and leading the charge. God is in the restoration business. He's not given up on the plans and purposes that he has for your life. It's never too late to walk in all that God has for you. And so Peter begins to answer the crowds. And they asked, what is this about? Are these people drunk? The crowds were having trouble recognizing that what was happening was from God. God showed up in a different manner than what the crowds had seen before. And because it looked different, they had trouble recognizing that it was from God. And we must be careful because it is possible to miss a move of the Spirit because we have our expectations about what a move of the Spirit should look like. And most times those expectations are simply based on what we have seen in the past. But what if God wants to do a new thing? See, one of the gifts of the Spirit is wisdom, which is related to discernment. We need wisdom and discernment through the Holy Spirit because God may show up and it may look different than what we expect. And we need to discern that God may be doing a new thing. The challenge for any church that's seeking greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit is this. Are we willing to allow the Holy Spirit to move, even if it happens in a new and unexpected way? If it maybe forces us out of our comfort zone. See, everyone wants to say, and you'll hear it, everybody would agree, yes, I want an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Everybody wants an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but realize that he will not fit inside of any box about how we think he should move. And church history has shown that God has done different things in different seasons of the church and in different churches. The church has to stop looking at other churches and criticizing them because of how the Holy Spirit's moving there we got to stop looking because the Holy Spirit may be doing something there that's different than what he's doing here, that's different from what he's doing in another church. He may move in a way that doesn't even make sense to us. We need the wisdom of God. See, our hearts must be aligned that we will allow the Holy Spirit to move, and then we will navigate it with the truth of God's word and the wisdom that he gives to us. And that is exactly what Peter is doing. Right? This was a new thing. There had not been tongues of fire and wind and a baptism of the Holy Spirit before this. But Peter recognizes that it is from God. And so then he turns to Scripture and he corrects the crowd's misunderstanding. And he says, guys, they're not drunk. But let me tell you what is actually happening. And he quotes the prophet Joel. And he says, what Joel And many other prophets and prophecies of the Old Testament looked forward to and prophesied would come has now arrived right in front of us. And he quotes Joel and it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
So I have really good news for us all today. We can all play a part in this. This isn't for a certain subset. This is for everyone. This is a body of Christ, entire church type thing. You say, Pastor Josh, you say that all the time. It's because it's so true and it's so important. We got to move away from this concept of these superstar mega pastors that people look to and put them up on a pedestal. Not saying there's anything wrong with God who blesses people and, you know, they get a large following because they followed the Lord. But what I'm saying is the church will be most effective when it's the entire body filled with the spirit, fulfilling the calling that God has on their lives. You play a part in this. You are part of that body. This is for everyone. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, the caveat to the all there is that it's all who have accepted Christ. Right, so Peter is not preaching that every person in this world will have the Holy Spirit poured out on them against their will. He is teaching that any who are willing and have received Christ can then press in to be empowered by him, to be filled by the Spirit. All who have accepted Christ are qualified to receive this. And then he starts to give some examples. And he starts with this. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy Meaning this is available to both sons and daughters, meaning both men and women. Galatians 3.28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now this verse is not saying that there aren't differences. I want to be very clear on that, especially in today's culture that's attempting to destroy the concept of gender. See, there is divine beauty in the two and only two genders that God designed and created and the plans and purposes he has for each. God has plans and purposes for men and women. That is why the enemy is coming against that to try to cause confusion. There is confusion in this world that the enemy is trying to bring to this concept of gender because God is divinely orchestrated that there is plans and purposes for both men and women. See, this verse isn't saying that men and women are the same. What it's saying and what it aligns to with verse 17 in Acts is that in Christ there's spiritual equality. Both men and women are qualified to be God's vessels because Christ has qualified both of them equally with his death and his resurrection. He's qualified both. Both men and women will prophesy, which means they will speak from the very heart of God. That is what prophecy is. It is simply a message from God's heart. Now, sometimes I think people hear prophecy and they think that this is all about predicting the future. Well, I could never prophesy. I can't predict the future. Or they think, well, this is just for really super spiritual people. Or, well, I'm not a prophet, so God could never use me in this way. But this verse is making clear that all of us, through the power of the Spirit, can hear the heart of God for someone or a situation, and we can, as we talked about last week, step out and speak that message that God has and will give to us. God wants to use each one of us to hear his heart for our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, maybe even a stranger that we bump into, and then we can be his mouthpiece to share that with them to hear God's heart for them and then to share it with them about who they are and how he sees them. This is for both sons and daughters. This is not just for sons. 
The same Holy Spirit is available to both men and women. There isn't a more powerful version of the Holy Spirit for men and a less powerful version for women. Now, I know I covered these verses previously in our foundational series, our foundational truth series last summer, but I'm going to reiterate it here because I want the position of Bethel Assembly of God to be crystal clear to any and all. Women are called and empowered to be vessels of the Holy Spirit. And while some denominations have stated that women cannot serve in certain positions, such as pastors, that is not the position of this church, and I believe it to be completely unbiblical. Men and women will prophesy. So here's why I believe to be, this to be the case. Paul in Romans calls out Junia, who was a female, as an apostle. The verses we read testify that women would prophesy. Acts 21 tells of Philip's daughters who prophesied, acting most likely out of the role of prophets. Priscilla traveled with her husband, spreading the good news. In other words, she acted as an evangelist. Yudia and Sintik were called co-workers with Paul in spreading the gospel, which sure sounds like evangelists to me. We see the references to Nympha and the church that met in her house. John referred to the chosen lady in 2 John who appears to lead a house church. And for good measure, you have Phoebe, who scholars agree would have been the person carrying the letter that we have today as the book of Romans to the churches in Rome. And she wouldn't have been acting like a male person, simply delivering it. In those days, the letter bearer would have been expected to deliver the letter and would have full authority to teach on its contents. Now, some people, and it's valid to ask, they point out two verses, one in 1 Corinthians and another in 1 Timothy, where Paul puts certain restrictions on women. So you say, what are those verses all about? Well, I'd be glad to tell you. See, the Bible must interpret the Bible always. That's one of the most foundational things when you're interpreting Scripture is the Bible interprets the Bible. So if we see women acting out of all of these offices that I just stated, all five of the offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and Paul knows that they were teaching others and acting in a pastoral role in various places, then that lends evidence that those particular verses in 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy were simply local restrictions due to very specific issues those churches were facing. So let me give an example of this to show you what I mean. This is very simple. Imagine you have somebody who is new to the church. They show up. They truly love Jesus. They love him. But during worship and during the sermon, they have a bad habit of standing up and yelling, hip, hip, hooray at the top of their lungs. Hopefully that won't happen here, but though in some ways, pastors like it when you kind of get engaged a little bit, so I could take a few hip, hip, hoorays. But imagine if somebody's standing up and just constantly hip, hip, hooray, and then I say something else or whoever's preaching says something else and they stand up and they say hip, hip, hooray. Imagine that. It would be perfectly within the guidelines for the leadership of this church to go to that person and say, we love your enthusiasm, but what you're doing is causing a distraction and hurting the rest of the body. Can you please just kind of be quiet? Now notice it's saying that that person needs to be quiet. It's not saying everybody in the church needs to be quiet. See where I'm going with this? 
See, what we cannot do is take a couple of verses where Paul restricts certain women for a certain time and place due to very specific issues in that church and try to make them universal commands against the rest of the testimony of Scripture, including Paul himself, that showed women as partners in the early church, including in all positions of the fivefold ministry. Now, this isn't a cardinal doctrine, right? So there's no need for this to cause division between different denominations who believe differently. But I will stand here and say, I am very glad to be part of the Assemblies of God who have empowered women in ministry from the very inception of who they were. And I'm glad to be part of a church that supports women in ministry positions, including in pastoral roles. We have some amazing women who are leaders at this church, who are spirit-filled and empowered. I love it when they minister. I love sitting under them when they do. Both sons and daughters will prophesy. Men and women can receive and minister of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the universal church as a whole will be more effective when we empower our entire army, both men and women, to walk in the plans that God has for them. Next, it says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So once again, I would like to report out to this church that I still don't remember my dreams. So I am still firmly in the camp of the young men. I'm staying there, staying there. And I'm not lying. I don't ever remember anything I dream. I don't know what it is. Maybe I don't ever get into deep enough sleep to actually dream. That's probably what it is. It's probably not good. All right, so that's not really what this is teaching. This verse is not teaching that only young men will get visions and only old men will dream dreams. What it is teaching is that the Holy Spirit is available to all ages and generations. See, the world struggles with generational conflict, but I will continue to say it in this church. In the kingdom, there is but one generation from the very youngest to the very oldest. And we are called to honor value all generations, and come together as one to see the kingdom advance. See, we absolutely need the childlike faith of our kids. We need the energy and the boldness of our youth. We need the resolve and the resourcing of our middle generations, and we need the stability and wisdom of our older ones. And we will continue to support and celebrate each and every generation at Bethel because every generation gets to play a part in this. See, I love kids. I got like a million of them. I love students. Sarah and I were youth pastors for years. I love students. We love them. They receive the same Holy Spirit that we do. They don't get a pint-sized version. We must provide children and students the opportunity to be part of the very fabric of the church. See, why do so many youth leave after they graduate high school? There's probably a lot of reasons, but one reason is because many churches don't ever make them feel like they belong other than outside of their youth room. we got to integrate them into everything that we do. See, I love our middle generations, from the young adults who I like to pretend I'm still part of, all the way up to the middle-aged generation. Somebody got that. That's good. (laughs) I look like a young adult, right? Can I pull it off from where you're sitting? Just take your eyeglasses off. My son said no. That's rude. Golly. No love. Jeez. We need these middle generations. The Lord is calling this group to step up, lead, and help to push the mission of Christ ahead. And last but certainly not least, I love our older generations. 
our heritage ministry. My message for you is there is no simply writing it out. Even if you retired from your occupation, you do not retire from working in God's kingdom because you have so much still to give and so much wisdom to share with these younger generations. For my heritage folks here today, I am praying for you that the same supernatural strength that empowered Caleb at 85 years old to claim his inheritance would rest upon each and every one of you and that you would continue to walk in God's inheritance for your lives. And so from the youngest person at Bethel to the oldest, we are one generation, one body ready to receive and advance this great kingdom together. Now, this doesn't mean we don't have wisdom, right? If we're reaching out to our community, we need to be wise with how we meet people where they're at. We're not going to try to go out to heritage age folks on TikTok. Some of you don't even, anybody? Heritage age folks, confess, do you know what TikTok is? I really don't either, so it's all right. You're not missing anything. It's weird stuff. So we're wise when we go out, but it means that once we are in the kingdom, we value all generations. We work together as one. These verses then go on to say, even on my servants, and then I love how it calls out both men and women once again, just to reiterate that. But even on my servants, meaning this is for the rich and the less than rich. Social status is not a limitation to what God wants to do through a person's life. Financial blessings are not an indicator of godliness, Now, what they are is they are an opportunity to be able to be generous and to bless others, but a large bank account is not a requirement for being used by God. So whether you make a lot of money or perhaps not so much, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for you. Now, after this, the verses change focus a little bit, and it says, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. These are wonders that God shows in the earth to get people to wonder what is going on. See, God wants people to ask the questions that he desires to answer for them. And so we talked about signs a lot last week, and we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of this sermon, but God provides signs to get us to his destination. We need signs and we need wonders in the church today, and thankfully God here has promised that he will show them. All right, the next verses are a little strange, you may think. It says, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. All right, so these are challenging verses, and for me to fully dive into their meaning, I would need a full series in and of itself. So first, we would need to discuss the imagery in the Bible and the symbolism found in both the sun and the moon. We would then need to go over to Revelation 6, where we see their fulfillment, which would mean I would need another series then on the book of Revelation and how those verses were fulfilled, which to understand would also require yet another series looking back at multiple places in the Old Testament where similar language and symbolism is used. So that's all good stuff, but we're going to be in Acts for a long time longer. I don't think we need to take like a six-month detour for that. So suffice for today's purposes, these verses are not meant to be interpreted literally as if the sun turns dark, which would be the end of humanity. This type of symbolic language with reference to a cataclysmic event like a sun that darkens or a moon that turns to blood, are often used to symbolize a major change or a major shift. And here, the shift they are pointing to is the inauguration of the new covenant that has come to replace the old covenant. 
which includes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the new covenant church. And so Hebrews 8.13 says, By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon appear. So it's telling us that the old covenant that dominated Jewish life, the animal sacrifices and everything that came with it, the temple life, it was now unneeded because the true lamb of God came once and for all and ushered in the new. No temple building was no longer needed because we are now the temples of the Holy Spirit. It's telling us that there's a new covenant with Holy Spirit power for Christ's church. And everything that we have talked about today is for the church. It's for the church. It was for the church back then. It is for the church now. It is for the church and the generations that will follow until the time of Christ's return. The supernatural power of God, signs, wonders, and miracles associated with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit are to be part of the very fabric of the church. And a church that seeks the Holy Spirit and allows him to move will be one where these things are present. This is for us. This is for us in our day. And it's vital that we don't accept a watered-down version of Christianity where we don't see these things. Because they are vital to our mission. And verse 21 tells us exactly why. It says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What is the aim of all of this? Do we really need signs and wonders and miracle, miracles? Do we need visions and supernatural dreams and prophecy? More than we could ever imagine. More than we could ever imagine. What is their purpose? It's so that men and women will be ministered to and will see these things and they will call on the name of the Lord to be saved. It's so that people will have an encounter with Jesus that will lead them to him. See, could it be that a lack of these things in the church today is holding it back and there's a reason that more people aren't calling on the name of the Lord? All of these things are given. The power of the Holy Spirit is power with a purpose. It's his power poured out on his church. It's him operating in our lives so that we can see people call on the name of the Lord to be saved. His power is never given for self-promotion. It's given to us for kingdom advancement. God desires to pour out his spirit on his church so that his church can fulfill the mission that he has given us in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth so that every nation is impacted by the kingdom. This is vital if we want to reach our communities. See, what truly sets the church apart from the rest of society? It's the truth, the presence, and the power of God. This is what sets us apart. See, there are a lot of things that churches have become hyper-focused on. Things like having the greatest lights and the coolest stage. The church, all the churches have to have the greatest coffee bar. We got to have the greatest music. We got to have really snazzy sermons so that we can put little sound bites on TikTok and Instagram. Now, don't misunderstand me. I like technology. I think lights and a cool stage are nice. And if we're being honest, we could use a little freshening up up here. I heard an amen. Who was that? There we go. I'll note that that was somebody that was part of our heritage ministry. So I'll just, not calling out names, but I just want the record to show. Do we have official minutes for this today? Oren, I need you to document that. 
We could use a little freshening up. I love those things. See, I love a good cup, cup of coffee. I'm still interceding day after day for Wawa to invade our area. How many people know about Wawa? Yeah, if you know, you know. Mm. Sheets. <laughs> Telling you, that sheets right there, 15, you know, 97 all the time. I'm like, that would make a great Wawa. Just too many sheets around here. If you've never been to Wawa, trust me, once they get here, you're going to love it. So I love all of those things. We have musicians here that just do their music and everything else with excellence. I work hard on crafting sermons. But here's the thing. If the focus of the church swings too hard towards lights and entertainment and all of those different things, we better realize that the world has all of those things. The world has talented musicians and speakers. They have really good coffee shops. They have all the entertainment and concerts with light shows that you can imagine. The world has so much of what so many churches try to use to bring them in, and it's the same old for them. Those things are all fine if they're part of what we do, but if they become the main attraction, then we've got it twisted. But we have something the world can never offer, and it's the truth and power of Jesus Christ that can set them free, break them out of their bondage to sin, and give them a life of purpose and meaning. These are our distinctives that set us apart from the world and have them going, hmm, what, it is, what is it that those people have? See, we need a Holy Spirit outpouring that empowers the church to proclaim the good news of Jesus with power and authority. We need an outpouring where people start hearing about what God is doing. We need an outpouring so that when we go about our daily lives, we get visions, prophecy, words of knowledge from the Holy Spirit, and we can share them with people in our lives. Not so that we can brag about receiving them, but because God uses these things to help open people's hearts and minds to the gospel. There is a purpose to the power that God desires to operate in and through our lives. The power is given for us to bring his redemption and restoration to a broken world. The same objective can be seen in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4, if you want to go ahead and flip there. And if the worship team wants to go ahead and come on up. Sorry about that. Luke chapter 4, we're going to read verses 16 to 20. It says, He went to Nazareth, it's talking about Jesus, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your healing, in your hearing. There's going to be healing, but hearing. Here Jesus is in Nazareth. Man, we're in trouble. I got to run a business meeting after this too. So this, is, this could be rough. We might be in trouble. So here Jesus is in Nazareth. On the Sabbath day, he goes to the synagogue. And it was customary to read from the scriptures in the synagogue services. And so Jesus is given a scroll and he reads from what today is recorded in Isaiah 61. 
and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And because the spirit of the Lord is upon me, I am anointed, meaning there is power to proclaim good news to the poor. There is power to proclaim freedom for prisoners, power to bring recovery of sight for the blind, power to set oppressed people free. There is power to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the year of Jubilee. We live in the year of Jubilee. I got to teach on that someday. I love the name Jubilee. I have a daughter named Jubilee in case you don't know. He's talking about the year of Jubilee. Every year for us is a year of Jubilee, of freedom and forgiveness. It's awesome. We're going to teach on that sometime. I got to. Jesus says these things and then he blows everyone's mind because these verses were messianic. They were speaking of the Messiah that would come. And Jesus says, today, these verses are fulfilled in your midst. Meaning Jesus was saying, I am the Messiah. This prophecy that Isaiah received from the Lord 700 years before this moment, saying that the Messiah would come and would be anointed with the power of the Spirit to do all of these things has arrived and is being fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. And Jesus indeed did each and every one of these amazing things as we see throughout the Gospels. But here's what I want us to consider today. I have a question for you to ponder. Are you ready? Ready to ponder? If the Spirit rested upon and anointed Jesus to do all of those things, for what purpose does the Spirit rest upon each one of us? So that we can do the exact same things. If the Spirit rested upon Jesus so that He could do all of these things and the Spirit is resting upon us, it is so that we can do the very same. Each and every one of us this morning could stand here today and echo those words of Jesus and we could say, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim freedom for prisoners. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim recovery of sight for the blind. The Lord has anointed me to set oppressed people free. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim that it is the year of his favor. This wasn't a one-time fulfillment. This was Jesus ushering in an age of fulfillment, the year of Jubilee that exists throughout the church age for his people. We are to be anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did, and we must never be satisfied until we do. If Jesus said, you will do the works that I did and even greater, then the church can never settle until we see those exact same things being done in our lives today. I've said it before, what you excuse, you allow. And so many churches excuse why they don't see those things. And so they've allowed powerlessness to infect the church. But no more. Because Jesus has anointed me and he's anointed you. Every single one of us has been anointed with the spirit to do these things. If you've received Christ, this is for all of us. There is power with a purpose. There is a purpose to God's power a purpose to why we should seek to be filled over and over again. It's power to fill the plans and purposes that God has for this earth, to walk in supernatural giftings, to be his witnesses, to see all of these incredible things so that people will call on the name of the Lord to be saved, so that his kingdom will be advanced in this earth and we can truly see on earth as it is for heaven. This is for all of us. This is for you. This is for me. We are called to be willing vessels. So let me get really practical for just a few minutes here. 
we must continually seek more of the Holy Spirit and then we must step out in faith. I had someone tell me one time that they never saw anybody healed. And so I asked them the question, well, how many people have you prayed for that needed healing? And their answer to me was zero, zero. And I said, well, a good place to start if you wanna see some people healed is to pray for people that need healing. See, the main and most important difference between people who see the miraculous and supernatural giftings and those who don't is simply the willingness to step out in faith. See, often this means stepping out in faith outside the four walls of this church because let's be honest, it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to pray for someone who's sick in the church building. It really doesn't. If somebody comes up here, it's just, you can go through the motions. You can say, well, I'm supposed to lay hands on them and I just pray for them. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith. What does take faith is stepping out of our comfort zones when we're out and about and God highlights somebody and says, you need to go pray for them. It takes a lot of faith in those instances to step out and pray for somebody. And often what we see is the breakthrough that comes out there builds true faith in our lives so that we begin to see the breakthroughs here. There's greater things for us than what we can ever imagine. So I was teaching on prophecy to our students when Sarah and I were in Allentown. And we were teaching on the prophetic with them. And I had a student also ask, why have I never gotten a prophetic word for someone? And I said, well, has God ever just sort of like randomly highlighted a person to you? Someone at your school put someone on your heart? And they said, yeah, that happens sometimes. And I said, well, what did you do? And they said, well, not much. I said, well, I kind of prayed for him a little bit, but I didn't really know what to do because God didn't give me a prophecy for them. And my answer was, well, praying for them is certainly great. That's wonderful to do. But you also never then took a step of faith upon which to receive a prophetic word for them. I said, next time God puts someone on your heart, reach out to them. And in that step of faith, God may just give you that word. Speak it in faith and see what else he gives you. Holy Spirit empowers us. And sometimes he gives us the visions and the dreams. Other times we may need to take that step of faith. But when we do, he suddenly breaks through and heaven invades earth. We are called to be vessels that God pours into. We must step out and do what the verses in both Acts and Luke records because these things lead to people calling on the name of the Lord. They lead to the kingdom advancing. They lead to us being able to live lives of true purpose. We must be as witnesses if we don't tell people if we don't press in and get a word for people and share it with them, if we don't go forth to set the oppressed free, then who will? Then who will? I want to challenge all of us. If you want to go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. I want to challenge us all to just be on fire for God and to constantly cry out for more of that Holy Spirit fire in your life. Kelly this morning brought up the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as she did that, the Lord just kind of put on my heart, the reason they didn't burn up is because they were burning with the power of God. Come on, the fire of the world can't touch you when you're already burning for him. So let's just be a people that are so filled and overflowing with the fire of God in our lives that the fires of this world can't burn us because we're already burning hotter for him. 
We need to press in and believe for greater things, to stay hungry for God because our hunger attracts his presence. Stay hungry for God. There's always more than what we've experienced. But then we also need to do something with it. I believe the blessing of God falls on those who are willing to bless others from it. He pours mightily into those who will pour it out on others. And so I wanna get very practical this morning. I'm gonna challenge you all this morning with a one person challenge. When we wrap up here today, we are gonna give a moment where you can simply connect with Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you highlight just one person that you want me to reach out to this week? One person, Holy Spirit, that you want me to share your love with this week. And then ask him for a word for that person. He may give you something right now. He may give it to you later. He may not give it to you until you take that step of faith and you reach out to that person. But God said that sons and daughters will prophesy. That means you will receive God's heart for somebody else. So let's actually do it. Come on, can we put this into practice this week? This is practical. The gospel is supposed to be practical. So we're gonna ask Holy Spirit for one person to highlight to you. And then I want you to reach out to them this week. Text them, call them, meet them in person, whatever it may be. But I want you to ask God to give you a word for them and I want you to share it with them. Now I want you to know that I will join you on this. I always tell you, I will never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And so I am perfectly okay if later this week you call me out and you say, Pastor Josh, who is your one person? Call me out on it. I will never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. So I'm gonna ask God in these moments right now as well. God, give me one person, give me a word for them. And then I'm gonna do it as well. So let's do that this week. All right, we gotta get this thing wrapped up because we have our awesome, amazing celebration and vision casting meeting where we are gonna celebrate what God did last year and we're gonna look ahead to what he's doing. But let's go ahead and just close this thing out in prayer. I wanna pray for those two things. One, Holy Spirit, fire full. Activate these gifts inside of each and every one of us. Those that have never felt like they could speak on the heart of, from the heart of God, may they just begin to activate in that. And then we're gonna pray for God to give us that one person and a word for them. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for power from heaven that rests upon your people so that we can go forth and change this world for you. And so right now, Father, we present ourselves as individuals. We present ourselves as a church and we cry out for Holy Spirit fire to fall on us once again. Not just one time, but over and over and over again. Every time we pray, every time we read our Bibles, every time we meet together, may the fire of the Holy Spirit fall fresh on us over and over and over again. And I pray, Father, for an activation and a boldness in our lives. Lord, that you would activate these gifts and we would be bold enough to step out in them. And Lord, I pray that everything that we do would exalt the name of Jesus and would cause people to call upon your name so that they can be saved. Right now, Father, I pray that you would highlight somebody to each one of us Give us each a name, a person's face, 
And I pray, Father, that we would be bold to reach out to them this week. So right now, can you just go ahead, just ask Father, just say, Father, who should I reach out to this week to tell about your love? Father, is there something you'd like me to share from your heart to them? Just listen to what he puts into your mind right now. Got your person? mind. I saw somebody clear as day in my mind. I know I'm going to reach out to them this week. Let's believe for greater things yet. I'm going to close in prayer here. I want to invite you all to stick around for our celebration and vision casting meeting. You say, what is that? It's what we used to call the annual business meeting, which is just really boring, right? This isn't just some business meeting. This is a time to celebrate what God has done in this church and to look forward to the incredible things that we believe he's going to do. And so you don't have to be a member to stick around. Now, obviously only members will be able to vote when we vote for the board members and that sort of stuff, but everybody's invited to stay and celebrate with us and look forward to what God is gonna do. So we're gonna take a short break here so that parents can go get their kiddos if you are a member, um, if you could go and sign in in just a moment here, sign in. I think you'll get your ballots, a copy of the report, all of that good stuff. Um, and then we're going to celebrate as a body what God is doing. He's doing amazing things. So I love all of you. Let me close in prayer. You're an amazing body of Christ. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the power of the Spirit. Fall fresh on us, God. That is our prayer today. And now, Father, as we close out this service and we go into our celebration and vision casting meeting, we want to give you glory, God, for what you have accomplished through this body. And Father, we look at... Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.